However, standing by right now is the one and the only Sean Mooney. Who? Mooney, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. After you threw him off through the announce table, Taker climbs back down, he gets in the ring, and he goes, see if he's breathing. So right before I called 911, I thought she was falling asleep. So I nudged her, she didn't respond. I was sitting out in my front yard, and they told me that uh, she didn't make it. If they would do a movie about your life, who would you want to play your part? <laughs> well, George Clooney, of course. <laughs> who else could it be? You know, I think it would take probably $100,000 at least to bring us in for the Hall of Fame. Are you laughing, Sean? I get off the track here all the time. Did you just laugh, Sean? You can't You can't even show them on TV because they're so busy humping each other that you can't <laughs> even show them on TV. Attention, Sean Mooney, you scum, you slime, you maggot. If there's no further questions, you're dismissed. Carry on, maggot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Prime Time with Sean Mooney. We're getting you in the spirit already for the holidays, and I hope you are making your holidays bright by not missing a single episode of the podcast and, of course, giving all your friends and family the gift of letting them know about Primetime with Sean Mooney. <laughs> I love this music. Well, some great guests we've had uh, over the past few weeks coming off a conversation with Dr. Tom Pritchard. Uh, not only did he have a pretty impressive career uh, in the ring, that included time spent, of course, with the WWF, WWE, but along the way, he discovered he was pretty darn good at training people to step into the squared circle. Uh, you know, and it was really interesting to get his take on uh, how to effectively do that, you know, do well in the ring and uh, what he sees happening today and what he sees coming in the future for the business. Uh, it's a great episode if you are an aspiring wrestler, but also just for everybody. I mean, uh, it was, uh, as always, uh, a lot of these guests we have on are so inspirational and Dr. Tom Pritchard uh, is uh, certainly uh, falls into that category, and he's got a new school that uh, he's going to be doing with Kane that's coming up in uh, January. I hope all of you uh, heard about that uh, and are going to help support uh, Tom Pritchard in his new venture. Uh, if you're interested in going to the school, you've got all the information there uh, in that podcast, as well as uh, an email address and, of course, their website. So if you haven't listened yet, do not miss it. Uh, another amazing guest joining us this week. But first, if you're looking for that unique gift for that special someone, I've got you covered. How about an awesome tea from the Primetime with Sean Mooney collection? And all you have to do, we make it real easy, is just go to MooneyTees.com. And, of course, there are some great ones. Uh, there is the classic Sean Mooney Who, uh, a big favorite out there of the many and the, uh, what do we call it, the, the nation of the few or the few uh whoever have that t-shirt that you know it's a collector's item and also uh of course the uh, vintage was that a shot uh from the uh, hacksaw jim duggan uh, episodes uh my favorite the golden age of wrestling and uh how about when we had Sid justice on remember uh, are you laughing sean uh i still get chills when i uh even say that uh also uh, there's mooney is money and of course the entire moon nation collection and I just looked at the page, you know, and there's some really great teas on there, and you can you can get one for maybe yourself. Give yourself a, a present. And remember, it all helps to support the podcast, so just go to MooneyTees.com and pick up a few for those special people in your life. Okay, and remember, uh, folks, uh, you know, please 
support our sponsors because that keeps this podcast coming to your way for free. So uh, please, we have uh, sponsors out there. And of course, you can help support us through our uh, MooneyTees.com. But uh, every little bit helps to keep us going and keep these great guests coming your way. And uh, I'm very excited to have my guest on PTSM this week. Uh, one of the most decorated professional wrestlers of all time, uh, as far as uh, championships and the WWE and, uh, um, and so many other uh, great accomplishments, a great career he had with TNA. And then, of course, back to the WWE. Uh, since he retired, he's been very, very busy. He's done some acting. And, of course, uh, you couldn't break up one of the greatest unions in the history of professional wrestling, even after they retired from the ring, uh, teaming up with Edge. Uh, for a ridiculous podcast, the ENC podcast that reeks of awesomeness, and of course, the Edge and Christian show on the WWE Network. Uh, that latest episode is out of Moonies. I don't know if you've caught it yet. It is a spoof on the movie Goonies. It is just insane. Uh, Vicky Guerrero's in it. Santino is in it. Tommy Dreamer. Carlito. Uh, check that out. But before you do, it's time to listen to my conversation with the one and only Jay Riso. Christian. Ding, ding, ding. Well, folks, it took us a while to connect for this podcast. That's because uh, former WWE superstar Christian is as busy as ever with uh, several interests taking up his time. That includes a podcast, a television show, acting gigs, and most importantly, his family. Jay, welcome to Primetime with Sean Mooney. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And um, it, it's not that I was that busy. It's more that I was just big leaguing you. Yeah. <laughs> trying, to make my, try, trying to make myself seem important. I'm, okay. I'm really not that important. But no, I apologize. But I, I, we're here now. That's right. As long as we made it happen. I mean, you can only blow me off for so long. I just keep hounding right. you. So I know. I thought, I thought at some point you might just like, show up at my yeah. front door <laughs> without, your, without, without your pants. Uh, that's true. Uh, <laughs> even though I have them back. But we'll get That's into right. that. We will get into that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you said uh, you're back home in Florida and a little chilly there, but uh, nothing compared to where you grew up in Canada. And I know you've been were uh, just there visiting. Uh, what's it like to go back? Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because you know it's it, 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 it's it's like the old saying, right? I mean, it's always it's always good to go home, and there's no place like home. All those sorts of things, and it's true, right? You go back, and I grew up in a in a small town outside of Toronto. Um, Edge and I both did, yeah. And you know, it's funny you go back and it's still that same small town vibe. Um, you know, you still see a lot of familiar faces. And, and this time when I was back, you know, I saw a lot of people that I had had gone to school with and things like that. So, you know, it's a it's home, right? I mean, you grew up there, and it's um, it was just it was a really cool place to to grow up. The town that, that I grew up in, and, and you know, we were close enough to Toronto to go down to the city, but. You know where I live, we kind of had the whole s small town thing going on. So, but it's nice to go home in, in the winter time. I will, uh, like we talked about kind of before we started. You know, every time I think I miss it a little bit, yeah. get back up there in the winter, get back up there in the winter time, yeah. get into a, a freezing cold car, have to yeah. uh, you know wipe the snow off the windows and those sorts of things. And yeah. it's like, ah, man, get get me back to Florida. Yeah, nice visiting, but yeah, yeah. Well, well Orangeville, <laughs> uh, that Orangeville, right, is where you guys grew up. It is. That's right. And and the, is it a really? Uh, you know, small town, because, I mean, a lot of people don't understand how, how Canada, I mean, we, you know, we know it's not too far from us, but it is a, it's a different country and it's, and it's divided up into provinces and, you know, right. Ontario is not, it's not a state folks. It's not like this, it's a gigantic swath of land up through right. Canada and you guys were, were in the Southern part, but it was a like small town USA in a way. 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's pretty much the same thing. You know, uh, it was like when I grew up there, it was it's grown a lot since I moved. Every time I go back, there's there's newer areas that I don't quite recognize. But, um, you know, when I grew up there, there was maybe 24, 25,000 people in the town. Um, kind of a, a mid-size. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, basically same thing. Think of any small town America. It's, it's basically the, yeah. pretty much the same thing. Yeah. So uh, you guys are pretty big deals there, I would imagine. I mean, I know how humble you are. But but really, when you go back there, do they have you know like the banner across Main Street, home of you know Adam and Jay, or are we mean Edge and Christian? I mean, is it? <laughs> you would think they would. A but plaque? They don't. No, the, Keys it's funny to the city. <laughs> we did actually a funny funny story is we did get inducted into the Sports Hall of Fame for our town a couple of years ago, and uh, Adam couldn't make it. He was oh, he was um, big timing. Though. He was. <laughs> yeah, it was a way of shooting something, but I went up for it, and it was it was a lot of fun, and and uh, so it's a cool kind of thing. But yeah, they they recognize you know our accomplishments, and to, to think of put it in perspective as well. You think about you know two kids growing up um, in a small town like that that had the same dream and both somehow made it happen, and we were kind of a support system for each other along the way as well. But yeah. it's kind of you know a crazy thing that that. It really is strange, but it was, it's a cool story as well. No, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a made for. It's a Hallmark movie. I mean, it is right. It, really, yeah. you think about it, the script, and people would say, "Oh, come on, that's that's." There's no way it could be that. You know, two guys from this little town. They have a dream, and then they they not just one because both of them <laughs> reach right. this right. unbelievable success in professional right. wrestling. I mean, it is. It's, I know. it's really hard to even fathom. I know, and it's funny too. Growing up, that we had, um, you know, we were close to the the Western New York yeah. border, yeah. Bu- Buffalo, Niagara mm-hmm. Falls, New York being the closest, probably about 90, 90 miles away from where we grew up. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we got Buffalo, New York stations. So we All got right. lucky in the sense that you know the the WWF at the time shows would come on at noon on the Buffalo channel and then 1 p.m. on the Canadian channel, completely different shows. So we had two hours worth of wrestling on Saturday afternoons where I got to see you doing the, uh, the updates yeah, and let me know sense. what, uh, what superstars were coming to what town. So I grew up with you. And I wasn't wearing pants then either. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yeah, but, if I don't but, know. You know, before we though get into the, uh, because I wanted to talk about, of course, what everybody's talking about, the Edge and Christian show. But since we got on the track here with you guys and growing up, and I, mm-hmm. the big question is, is why you reneged on that Ninja Star? Uh, yeah. You were supposed well, to sell it, and I, no one right. has really given me the answer. Well, I didn't really want to sell it. Oh, that it was, was the thing. It was a ploy to yeah. get friends, because oh. I just moved to this town. I moved to Orangeville from a smaller town that was called Grand Valley that had about 8,000 people in mm-hmm. it. And, you know, I was a new kid, and, you know, everyone's kind of, um, you know, curious about this new kid that that's in class and, and, um, you know, just talking and I just kind of randomly had said, Hey, I have this ninja throwing star if anybody wants to throw it. <laughs> so, you know, on recess, we'd have this ninja throwing star and we'd throwing it in the trees and stuff like that. And everybody kind of wanted their turn with it. And, and, uh, you know, I kind of had said, you know, I, I was thinking about selling it. Yeah. If anybody, you know, if anybody wants move. to buy it. Yeah. yeah good move. And yeah. then I said, Hey, you know, anybody want, you know, come over to my house. I had this, I had this wood shed in the backyard and I used to just throw it, stand there and throw it against the shed. So, you know, after schools I'd have, you know, four or five, six kids in the backyard and we'd all be taking turns throwing this ninja throwing star and then people making bids on it and stuff like that. And it kind of whittled down to Adam kind of being the, the last guy that really wanted it. <laughs> and, um, like I said, I didn't really want to sell it. Yeah. So I kind of pulled it off the table. Oh. And um, 
I was like, look, you know, if you want to stay my friend, you can throw it anytime you want. But, you know, I'm, I'm not selling it. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's a one of a kind. I, I it's a one it. of a kind. But but from that, you know, Adam and I started talking about, you know, our interests and, and we both happen to be big fans of wrestling. And that was kind of what brought us together as as friends after the uh, the Ninja Star fiasco. We um, we became friends because of wrestling. Yeah, it is really amazing, though, that that you guys are somehow uh, end up on this plot of Earth with the same interests. And uh, when did you know the the dream? I don't know if it was early on for you that uh, of becoming an actual professional wrestler. When did this start to become serious with you guys? Well, I think that you know we always you know like any kid you know you sit in the side yard and you dream and you talk about you know we'd always um, you know we we used to draw up like wrestling cards yeah. and like dream dream matches, you know, wrestlers from AWA and from NWA and from WWF. And we'd put these matchups we never thought we'd see happen. Like we'd have like Scott Hall versus Hulk Hogan. And mm-hmm. when Scott Hall was big in AWA and right. we do all these, we'd write these car, these dream cards up and then we'd perform the matches in the living room. And, you know, I'm not condoning anybody, you know, try that stuff at home and we didn't do, get too crazy, but we kind of, put the match together okay this guy's gonna win this guy's gonna lose and we do the match huh. and um you know from that you know we we just started to just you know and adam was very very good at art so he would start drawing pictures of us as a tag team we give each other tag we give tag team names and he would go draw us with the outfits and those sorts of things and um at one point a couple of small wrestling promotions you know rolled through town and a couple of independent promotions. And uh, we somehow found out there was a local promoter involved that he owned the, the motel down the street. So we went down and we we kind of hung around there hoping to get a glimpse of the wrestlers. And we met him and we were just like, look, if they're, you know, we'd love to come and help with the show any way we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, well, why don't you come up and, you know, you can set up the seats for us. Hmm. So we went, obviously, you know, your independent promotion, anything you can get for free, you get it, right? So you know, we set up all the, 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 um, the chairs around ringside and you know, it was general admission. So people were lined up at the door and you know, people just rushed in and grabbed whatever seat they could take. And because we helped, he said, Hey, you know, you guys don't have to go out and line up. Just take, take whatever seats you guys want. Uh So of course we took the front row seats and at intermission, I don't even know what we were thinking, but we just kind of looked at each other and had this look in our eyes and neither one of us said anything. (laughs) And we just slid into the, we slid into the ring at at intermission (laughs) and we did something where, you know, I think I might have thrown him off the ropes and reversed it and elbowed him or something. And then, like, he stopped me and went up in the second rope and came off with an axe handle. And the crowd reacted. They popped. Like, the, they popped. Yeah. Like, and that was, like, the first taste of it. And it was, wow. next thing you know, we see we see security running down the aisle. And they, grab <laughs> us and, they grab us and pull us out. And, and they're like, look, sit in your seats. If you get up again, you know, you're gone. So, That's but so we, got that, we got that taste of it. Yeah, you know, well, we, all we those got, historians out there who uh, think they know what your first matches were, no, that was I it. know, right? That was it in front of a yeah, live audience. And, <laughs> yeah, but that was, but that was the seed that was planted, you know. And then oh. early on, getting that reaction and from a live crowd, you're like, whoa, yeah. hold on a second, what was that? And yeah. um, so we just, we just knew that we wanted to do this somehow, and um, you know, we we just kept kind of plugging away at it, and eventually, Adam had gotten. Uh, I think he's probably he probably talked about it on your podcast earlier where he wrote a um, um, an essay into a wrestling school of why he wanted to be a wrestler. There was a competition in a Toronto newspaper, and he won the competition. Uh, he didn't have a, a vehicle at the time, so a lot of the times I would borrow my mom's car 
and drive him down to his wrestling training. And I would just, because of that, I was allowed to kind of sit in the classes and I just kind of watch and didn't realize at the time that I was almost learning by just watching. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it was probably a year, year and a half after, after that, when we went to college, um, I took a portion of my student loan money and paid for wrestling school. Uh, cause I was flat broke and I knew that my parents wouldn't pay for it. Yeah. So, um, I didn't eat much or, uh, or buy new books that semester, you know, mm-hmm. bought some used books and, and ate a lot of, uh, macaroni and cheese and, uh, and pasta and cheap things and potatoes and stuff like that. But I paid for my wrestling school and, um, it was funny cause I walked in and I was trained by a guy named Ron Hutchison, who's, um, you know, really, really great, uh, coach. Yeah, uh, Sully's he, he, gym is that? It was called Sully's gym. Yeah. yeah. No, and, so and, at that point was had was Christian. I mean, uh, uh, was uh, Edge Adam ahead of you in the training, and then you know you came in, or, or were you able to shortly after you know that he started with the uh, winning those those uh, the training? Yeah, no, it was probably it, it was probably about a year year and a half. I was oh, behind. Really? Yeah, he was okay. so he was pretty far ahead of me. But like I said, I was sitting in on these classes watching. Mm-hmm not realizing at the time, but just by absorbing everything and watching what they were doing, the drills they were doing and how they were doing it, that I was actually learning before I even got in the ring. And, uh, you know, I used to talk to all the other guys that were training and things like that. And it was funny because the first day that I walked in and, and Ron said, Oh, you're going to try this now. And I said, yeah. And he said, okay, well, this is the cost for the training and chances are you're probably not going to make it. Mm -hmm. Do you you still want to do this? I said, absolutely. Sign me up. And, um, you know, I, I feel like, um, because of, you know, the help that I had from watching them and getting to know all the other guys that uh, I picked it up really quickly. And uh, I trained for about nine months before I had my first match. Yeah, but before all that, when uh, when this is going on, like you say, you're basically watching. But are yeah. you, uh, you know, lifting? Are you getting, you know, trying to get bigger? Uh, or, yeah, of course. Yeah. I, was, I was a small I was a small kid yeah. and I kind of had a growth spurt like between 11th and 12th grade. And you know, sprouted up to about six feet, six foot one, which I am now. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, of course I was a skinny kid. So trying to, yeah, I was in the gym working out. That was part of it. We actually started train. We started going to the gym, um, even a couple of years before Adam started training, just because we knew that was part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of had to look the part right. and, um, you know, but, but from that also realizing that, you know, I was never going to be a guy that was six foot five, six foot six, 250 or 60 pounds. Um, but try to look the part as much as you can and, uh, and, and be good in other ways. And when I started training, it, it, I realized pretty quickly as well that, like I said, I'm not going to get by on my size. Yeah. So I needed to kind of just not focus on being great on one thing. I needed to be good at everything. And that's kind of how I approached it. Yeah, you know, and that, that, that's fortunate that you did that because a lot of guys that maybe have the size think that's all they're going to need. And as you quickly realize when you get to a certain level that if you can't cut a promo, if you can't, mm-hmm. if you don't know how to sell and, you know, having things set against you in a sense with size wise that, that you realized early on, uh, maybe in a different way, in a backwards way, but it certainly made a big difference in uh, how fast you came along. Right. Yeah, it, it did. And at the time, too, it kind of was Land of the Giants. You know, it was unheard yeah. of. There was very, very few guys um that were my size but that I, I tried to look at guys like Shawn michaels and bret hart and even before that or even um you know the one two three kid uh guys like that that i kind of relate to and see what they were doing mm-hmm. and how they were standing in there making it believable uh, so i really started to study like owen hart guys like that yeah. so 
that I knew that physically they were pretty close to, to what I was at or where, what I was going to be when I fully developed. So um, those were the kind of guys that I tried to, to, to study and watch. Now, you know, and I don't remember when, with my conversation with Adam if, what he was doing at that time, but was he out there in the independent circuit while you were doing this? And or, or, where was yeah, he at? He, what level was he at at this point? Yeah, he, like I said, he was he was he was out there doing shows, and it's not like independent wrestling now, where you could probably go to an independent show somewhere every single day of the week. Yeah. At that time, you know, business was kind of down across the board, mm-hmm. so you were lucky if you got two shows a month. So we were realistically, you know, working one two days a month. But at that time, like I said, I wasn't getting booked on anything because mm-hmm. I had no experience. So a lot of times. What I'd do is, like I said, I became friendly with all the guys that were in there that were working shows. Yeah. And when they were going to do shows, I would just jump in the car and go along for the ride with them. And I would talk to the promoter and say, hey, yeah, you know, whatever, if there's a spot for me on the show or something like that. Um, you know, I, I would get in there. Um, but uh, the Sully's gym had a pretty good reputation of putting out good talent. So um, when they, they knew that I was I was trained under Ron, um, more times than not, they were more willing to put me on a show. Yeah, and and so for like I mentioned before, people don't really understand how it worked in Canada then. Um, and you, mm-hmm. as I said, you had these provinces: Ontario, uh, you're close by, you got Quebec and, and Manitoba. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that where the shows were in those you know provinces, or did you cross over into the states for yeah, shows? Cro- yeah, a lot of times there was um, there were shows in the Toronto area. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at smaller places like London and Woodstock and. London, Ontario, not England. Yeah, um, <laughs> what these, a long these, road trip. Yeah, so or <laughs> the, we started. Yeah, we started doing a little bit of stuff in upstate New York mm-hmm. and across the border in Michigan and, and things like that. So there was it was all, all up in that kind of that area, the places where you can drive to. Um, but there was, you know, that's 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 what we would do. This is is kind of whenever there was a spot show, we would we would make our our calls and try to get on there. You know, and uh, that period of your development is really important. I mean, I'm sure everybody's anxious to try and get to a, you know, an elite level. Mm-hmm. But um, for you, was that, and I don't know how long, it wasn't very long, but um, how much did that help you doing those kinds of things where you're doing these these uh, spot shows, picking up in many different places, so you're putting a thousand different situations when you're in the ring? Yeah, I still think ring time is important, you know, especially when you're at that level and you're learning, um, as much time time too, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, but any, anytime you can get in the ring, um, with somebody that's, you know, better than you or has more experience than you, you do it. And so what a lot of we do is we had a camcorder at the time and we'd set it up or with one, when one person's match was over, they'd take the camcorder and and record the other person's match. So we'd always, we were always recording our matches Mm -hmm. and we go back and we sit down either alone or, or or as as friends and we'd all sit down and kind of break these matches down and what we did well what we didn't do so well and what we can do better and and we're always constantly um had a thirst for knowledge you know we were just trying to get better and you know anytime we had a chance to, to meet somebody who had made it or been there you know i would ask a ton of questions to the point of maybe even being annoying about it yeah. but um i think that the people that I came across along the way, guys like Rick Martell and Bad News Brown and, and these sorts of people, I think they appreciated the thirst for knowledge and were more willing to give back because they realized um, 
that there was something there, that there was something more than just wanting it to be a hobby. You know, I didn't get into this to, to, for it to be a hobby. I didn't get into the wrestling hobby. I got into the wrestling business. It's how I wanted to, to make a living. And, and, and it's what I wanted to be. Um, it's, it's where I, I want to leave my mark. Yeah. And you mentioned these, some of these names, you mentioned Martel and Bad News Brown, which were, uh, you know, Canadian uh, wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always, I, I tell people the story when we were uh, in one of the shoots and you're talking about, you know, how, you know, you would go up to these people, let's say you'd see them in a gym or something. <laughs> the story yeah. that you're talking about that you're like your first encounters with uh, these guys. And I think you, I can't remember who it was you were talking Angela about. Angela Mosca. Yeah. And, yeah. And you said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a professional wrestler too. Or t- what's the story? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so there was this funny story where um, when I had been trained. So uh, the first kind of encounter was the small town that I grew up in, Orangeville. They opened a gym, and one of the investors in the gym was was Angelo Mosca, who was a wrestler and who was a legendary Canadian football player. And he lived in a town, a couple towns over. Um, and we always saw him in there, and he was larger than life, just this huge yeah. man, you know. And but sweetest guy. And Adam and I would just talk his ear off. And we talked about wrestling. And we, uh, there was times where I brought magazines in with him in it because I collected wrestling yeah. magazines and and showed them. And and uh, he was always really cordial to us. Always, you know, never said you can't do it or anything like that. And um, you know, he always kind of encouraged us and things like that. And and you know, he even told us how hard it was, but he always protected the business too, right? He wasn't like giving away secrets or anything like that. But he he was uh, he was really uh, helpful and really nice to us. And. Um, <clears throat> You know, it's funny because years later when I made it to WWE, he had since moved, um, I believe, to the Niagara area. Mm-hmm. And we had a we had a show in Hamilton at Cops Coliseum. And he came by. Wow. And I looked over and I saw him standing there and he looked at me. And almost he had tears in his eyes almost. And he came over and he, and he gave me this huge – like I said, he's a huge man. Yeah. And he came over and he hugged me. <laughs> and he's like – he said, you did it. He goes, I'm so, he said, I'm so proud of you. He goes, you know, you always used to come and talk my ear off in the gym. And I was like, these kids, man, like they, you know, and like, they're, they're crazy. They're, they're, they they really are into this thing. And uh, he said, but you did it. He said, I'm really, really proud of you. And that was a a pretty cool moment for me as well. But years later, um, I ran into, uh, there was uh, a show. There wasn't even a show in Toronto because we didn't know the WWE guys were there, but I guess they had a layover on their way to somewhere else and went into this bar and, there was a bunch of guys there and one of them being gold dust. Uh-huh. And so I went to the, the restroom when I came back, he was standing there talking to somebody and I thought, Oh, this is my opportunity to let him know that I'm, I'm in the fraternity. You know, yeah, I'm one a, of the guys. I'm one of the boys. Yeah. 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 So I kind of give him a little nudge on the shoulder and he turns around and, uh, he's like, Hey, I said, Hey man. <laughs> and I went, I thought I was being really cool. I went yeah. K fabe. <laughs> And he just, he just, he just, he just, he just is staring at me. And, uh, and I went, I, I kind of put my hand up. I was like, no, it's okay. I'm a worker. And he goes, he goes, <laughs> he said, oh, cool. And he turns back around and finishes his conversation. So I was like, in my head, I'm thinking, well, that didn't quite go down as how I thought it was going to go down. So I turned around to walk away. And um, to his credit, he grabs me by the arm and he turns me around and said, hey, man, what's your, what's your wrestling name? And I said, oh, I wrestle as Christian Cage. He goes, all right, I'll keep an eye out for you. Oh. So he was really nice about it. Yeah, but the funny thing is, fast forward all these years, we're working together and we've become yeah. good friends. And I told him the story and like in front of a bunch of guys and we're all laughing. Like everybody has tears in their eyes. The story is so funny. Yeah. And um, after everybody had left and it was just him and I, and he said, was I a dick to you? Yeah. He was more he was more concerned that he was yeah. mean to me. Yeah. <laughs> and he wouldn't let it go. He's like, really? I feel like I was a jerk to you. And I said, Listen, let me put it to you this way. I said, if the roles were reversed, 
you were a lot nicer to me than I would have been to you. <laughs> it was like, he's like, oh, okay. So, oh, that's a great funny. story. Yeah. But, so. you, but during, you know, the, the, your, your rise was pretty quick. I mean, we're talking about four years from the time you step into the ring to train, right? Until yeah. you're in the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, it was, it was pretty quick. It was about, yeah, a little over four years, I guess. That, um, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I guess I, you know, timing is everything, right? And you, and when the time comes, you you have to you have to take advantage of those moments because it might not come around again if you don't make an impression. Yeah. And um, you know, Adam had had he was under developmental contract at the time, right? And he they asked him to come to the infamous Montreal Screwjob pay per view mm-hmm. and told him that he would watch the, the pay per view and then he would, would probably work dark matches. Uh, at the Raw and Smack, uh, sorry, it was Raw back to back. They they did a, a, a live Raw and they taped Raw uh, at that time the next night to show the next week. And he, of course, like I said, he didn't have a car, so he's like, "Can you drive me to Montreal and Ottawa and then Cornwall for this other Raw?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." Yeah. So wrestler rule, you never you never leave without your gear in the trunk, brother. Uh-huh. So you know, I, I packed my bag up, threw it in the trunk, and went along with them. And then on Tuesday, somebody came up to me and said, "Hey, did you bring your gear?" I said, of course I did. And I said, okay, would you mind wrestling Adam in the in the dark match? And I was like, no, not at all. Uh-huh. So he and I wrestled the dark match, and Jim Cornette had come up to me after the match. I think he was probably the only one that had watched it, but he was pretty excited about the match. Hmm. And um, he said, you know, we're starting to do these uh, these training camps down at the 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 head office in Stanford. You know, I'd love to get you on one. So, um, you know, we 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 kind of had uh, exchanged numbers, and then. Um, you know, I would just call him like every month and just kind of let him know where I was working, who I was working with and what I was up to. And just, you know, like I just said, once a month, I would call him just to stay on his radar. Yeah. And then, and then um, I came home late from the gym one night. It was probably like 11, 1130 in the evening. And uh, there was a you know a handwritten message from my mom on the on the kitchen table that said, uh, Jim Cornette called to call him back. Doesn't matter what time. So I pick up the phone and call him. I get his answering machine. I start leaving a message. You know, he picks up the uh picks up the other end he's like god damn it kid where have you been i'm trying to get hold of you <laughs> and i was like well, i was at the gym he's like oh okay it's all right then so then he kind of um had told me that they'd like to get me down for a camp and um eventually after uh, a month or so um i got down there and um like i said i had about 12 guys there the first you know the first the first training camp that i went to and they they you know they hired me from from that wow were you ready in your, in your mind at the time i don't what was your well in Level my mind, confidence. I was. Yeah, yeah I, I well, I knew that I was far from a, a finished product, yeah. but I, I felt like, as far as being a prospect was concerned, I felt like I was ready. Um, I think I, I felt that I was starting, um, kind of gaining a buzz on the independent circuit. Um, you know, back in that time was kind of at the infancy of the internet, so um, and obviously there was no social media, so yeah. the way to get your name out there was to me in those pro wrestling illustrated magazines, you know, kind of in the middle, they always had little write-ups of what was going on in the independent scene of where different shows were. And I, in my mind, I was like, well, if I see that I'm wrestling in Canada and Michigan and New York and Pennsylvania and all these other places, yeah. they'll think, oh, wow, this guy must be good. He's all over the place. He's all over the world here. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we got, we, Adam and I had done a couple tours of Japan before he, uh, had signed with WWE as well. So, um, yeah, in my mind, I was, I was ready. To, I knew that I had a long way to go, but I was, I was ready to, to take the step, I think, uh, in my mind. And, um, I felt, um, you know, not trying to sound arrogant or anything, but I felt like I was the best one at that camp. And my mindset was nobody here 
is going to be better than me and nobody's going to outwork me. And that was the, that was the thought process that I had at the camp. And, um, you know, they offered me a, a developmental contract before the week was over. Yeah. Well, I, and I hope people who are listening, cause we, we get a lot of people who would, you know, are aspiring to, uh, get into the business and, uh, I hope that what they're hearing here is, I mean, it's every step along the way here, uh, you know, along your career that you were always thinking differently than other people or what could I do to, you know, instead of maybe taking notes from other people, but it seems like you were always, and both of you guys, were always looking uh, to do something different, what was going to set you apart. And and in every aspect, uh, you know, you can sit there and say it was luck or this came and of course, you know, and, and uh, Edge being there, but you get a foot in the door. It doesn't mean you go through it. And and uh, right, is that kind of always been your philosophy? Do you remember? I mean, probably as a, even a kid with the Ninja Star. Yeah, <laughs> you had I a mean, different angle. Yeah, I mean, I just I had this vision in my head that that there was something more for me mm-hmm. from a young age. Yeah, and like I just couldn't picture myself sitting behind a desk. I just I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I remember in school they had asked us to do this to draw a picture or something to that effect of of you know a career that we wanted to to have and kind of tell the story in a picture or something like that. And I remember went up, going up to my teacher, and being like, you know, I'm either going to be a pro hockey player or a pro wrestler. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> and they just looked, at, and the teacher looked at me like I had two heads, like uh. almost saying like, you can't just do that, uh. you know. But in my mind, it's like, well, why not? Yeah. And, um. Yeah, that was just the, 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 like I said, I always felt like there was, there was something more. And, and what really reaffirmed that to me was um, after I finished college, I had to pay back the student loan. Yeah. And obviously, and obviously, you know, wrestling, wrestling once or twice a month for 175, you know, 75 bucks, 100 bucks, 125 if you're lucky, yeah. wasn't going to pay the bills. Right. So I had to have a regular job. And my first job was working at a wood mill. Oh, and man. it was one of those terrible jobs where yeah, I had to be there right. at seven and I worked till four thirty or five in the afternoon and it was just grunt work. And I remember yeah. going in there and they took me in on my first day and, um, they said, okay, look, this is the saw that you use as a table saw. You push the pedal, the saw comes up, keep your fingers away from it. It'll cut your fingers off. Yeah. You, you cut this wood down to this measurement. You slide to the end when the, when the, um, the skid at the end is full, you wrap it up, you put the barcode on it, ring this bell, somebody will come and take it away. Yeah. They trained me for 10 minutes. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there and I'm working. So I see two or three other people working at their stations that are the same as mine. So we go up for lunch and everyone's just kind of sitting around talking. And the two other guys, they're sitting there talking about how long they'd been there. One guy had been there like 15 years. The other guy had been there like 25, 26 years. And in my head, I'm like, I just got trained for 10 minutes for a job that these two guys have been doing for this amount of time. Yeah. I, I can't do this. Like, I need to make it. So... Um, it was a real kick in the ass, yeah. so to speak, that, look, you know, you, you have to give this everything because nothing is going to be handed to you. And how I'll get through those days is I would think of matches. I would think of storylines. I would think of outfits. I would just think of anything wrestling related to get me through those days wow. and, you know, make enough money to pay, <laughs> make these student loan payments. And not end up being called lefty. <clears throat> Yeah, right. <laughs> like the guy that was there for 26 <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah. So, so uh, but the, when you do get to the, the WWE, um, and not long after, you're the you know, light heavyweight champion. Right, uh, yeah, my first match. That, that, that's another, I mean, you know, I saw people come in there and just if they could be a, uh, you know, a high-level enhancement uh, <clears throat> talent, they were 
happy. And they did that for years. What do you think it was? And and uh, maybe luck played a part in it, but they gave you a, a hell of a push coming in. Yeah. I mean, they uh, luckily I came in. It wasn't just, you know, it could be one of those things where they just throw you out there and be like, okay, sink or swim. You know, you're out there, you're you're this, go do it with no fanfare, no vignettes, no introduction. You know, you're just out there. Mm-hmm. And for me, I got lucky because Adam was had started on TV a few months prior to that and had started an angle with Gangrel. Yeah. And I guess when they saw my footage and knew the history of Adam and I growing up together and how we kind of look similar with the long blonde hair and all those sorts of things, they mm-hmm. come up with this idea of putting me as Edge's, you know, long lost brother with Gangrel and Gangrel had this spell over me and kind of use it to kind of enhance their their angle and put a little bit more um, layers to it. So I'd, I'd gotten really, really lucky as far as coming into something that had a cool entrance, um, something that they were invested in as far as putting some TV time into this and um, coming in with, with a character, uh, you know, in, in the brood. And so that helped me out tremendously as far yeah. as getting my feet wet and also working with a guy with, like Gangrel, who'd been all over the world, had so much experience, and then working with my best friend Adam, we had that comfort level. It just helped eat, make the process a lot easier. Yeah, and, and, and it sounds like uh, you know Gangrel was was uh, a good mentor. I mean, it's, did uh, you learn a lot from him? Yeah, he did, and and you know we've since you know in the past couple of years, you know he had kind of been told that not that hey, we see something in these kids, we're putting them with you to kind of you know almost help us out as far as, you know, with the other uh, veterans in the locker room and right. give us some credibility yeah. and also kind of guide us and, 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 and nurture us and, and, and help kind of mold us. Yeah. And what, what a great time to come in there though, too. You're talking, I mean, you think of the, the, the talent roster, uh, you know, with the attitude era there, I mean, the rock and, and Steve Austin and degeneration X. And I mean, when talk about a, a, a crowded uh, ring in a sense, and then yet to still, uh, stand out, uh, what do you remember of that period of time and coming in and, and really being able to keep keep it together when you're around these guys that are just, uh, you know, I mean, WWE yeah. was so mainstream again. I know. So, and, and, and same kind of scenario, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, we, they decided to break the brood up with, at, at, a, at a time where I thought it might be a little too soon. And I, obviously I was a little bit nervous because, like I said, I felt like I still had some growing to do. Yeah. And, and... I was like, man, if they break this up, then what? You know, then am I floundering, or what am I doing? Or, or that those started to creep in. But then when I realized they were going to keep Adam and I together, yeah. there was still kind of that that comfort level. And then luckily, you know, we just gelled instantly with the Hardy Boys, who were kind of in the same situation as us, and they kind of threw us together because we were these these young up and comers. And it was lightning in a bottle. You know, we just we went out there and had these exciting matches. We didn't have a ton of mic time, and as singles guys. We knew we weren't getting anywhere near the top of the card yeah. with guys like Mick Foley, like yeah. you said, Triple H, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker. You know, it was just so stacked at the time. We knew we weren't getting near there. So how do we make our mark? Mm-hmm. Well, we can help reestablish the tag team division that had been kind of stagnant yeah. for years. I was just going to say that and, because when I was yeah. there, they, you know, I think half the roster was tag teams. So, right, so. right. And and so we, we really put an emphasis on, hey – Let's use this as our platform. Mm-hmm. Let's help each other. And, you know, we, we started to do that. We started to get great feedback on our matches and to the point where, hey, you know, like even on live events and stuff like that. And to the point where 
we had the confidence in ourselves to finally go in and kind of pitch an idea, which was um, the best of seven series that we ended up doing, which ended with the the first ever tag team ladder match. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was kind of the the moment that, and Matt Hardy had said this before, and I think he, he summed it up best. He said it took us from being WWE wrestlers to WWE superstars in a night. And, and that's what that's what it was. Yeah, and why do you think that was? It wasn't, the, you know, it wasn't like there hadn't been ladder matches before. Why do you think that you guys were able to take that and, you know, of course it evolves into you know, the TLC matches, but why? Right. Well, it, there, there had never been a tag team ladder match up to that point. Yeah. So we kind of had thought, like, this would be kind of cool, a first ever tag team ladder match, and we just knew the dynamic with each other. And we were just going to go out there and just put everything on the line and just make it something that people would never forget. And that was the mindset. We're going to go out there and we have all this, like I said, all this talent, all these top superstars in their prime. And we're going to go out there and we're going to steal the show. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to be able to follow this. And that was what we did. Man. And when, and when you look at those matches, my God, uh, it, it you look at what they're doing today uh, I guess, and, and some people would kind of, you know, pale. But then, you know, the stuff that you guys were doing was was really uh, unbelievable. And then it, it kind of gotten to that point uh, where we were seeing more hardcore. Right. But uh, did you guys, you know, look at it that way? Like, say, we're just going to keep setting this bar higher when we get out here. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing, too, right? When you have a match like that, the next time it happens, people expect right. something better. Yeah. And, you know, we, we also learned along the way to make them less of a car crash because they have, yeah. they have a real, they have a real, uh, there's a real possibility that just turns into that, just a spot fest, just moves, just crashing through yeah. things. Yeah. And we started to learn along the way, hey, we can tell better stories with these, even though we're doing these, these stunts, yeah. you know, we, we can put psychology in these matches. We just have to be smarter about it. Yeah. And I, I think we started to figure that out where it got, you know, we, we'd kind of save the, the bigger things, you know, do them when they mean something rather than doing them just to do them yeah. and kind of maximize the reactions that way. So I think we started to figure that out and, you know, the matches, uh, um, you know, they just kind of took on a life of their own. I, uh, and I know at the time, you know, you, you feel immortal, your body, you know, you're in the best physical condition of your life. But, uh, you know, night after night, is this where it did start taking a toll on your body and maybe uh, you the receipt came later? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I always luckily came out of them pretty unscathed. Yeah. Um, I tried not to think about what could happen in there because I didn't yeah. want to, you know, psych myself out or, or, or be nervous. And also when your adrenaline's pumping and the crowd's going crazy, you, you don't feel much, you know. Yeah. So a lot of times after, of course, you'd feel it and it hurts. And, and I know that Adam um, with a lot of his neck problems and things like that. And I'm sure that, you know, some of my aches and pains are, are from those matches. But, you know, luckily I came – I, you know, I came out of them pretty unscathed and, you know, the injuries that happened to me towards the end, I think were more kind of fluky situations than, than anything else. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Jay, it's just, it's amazing. You look back in your career, um, you know, between you and, and Adam, uh, all the championships that you guys, the titles that you guys, uh, captured, um, two, two boys from Orangeville, but, uh, together yeah. you, you captured, captured seven tag team championships, but I, I have to imagine in, Adam mentioned this too, that really the first time, I mean, and one that really stands out was that uh, WrestleMania uh, 2000 on, you know, and um, when you guys won the tag team championship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause it's that, yeah, you, do you remember standing in that ring and saying, uh, I don't know if you got that deep within yourself, but going, my God, look at, 
Look at us. <laughs> yeah, well, there was some talk of breaking us up before that. Uh-huh. So this, and it was only you know four or five weeks previous that there was some that the, the the direction was that we were going to not win that match and we were going to break up right after and go our separate ways. Yeah. And the thought of that to me, like we were these kids in my in my side yard talked about winning the tag team titles and if it had never happened i think it would have been a big letdown for both of us yeah. and the, the thought of that is like man you know we've done, had all these great matches we've, we've, we've done all these memorable things and we've never won the tag titles and <clears throat> so the hardy boys had, had kind of turned you know baby face at this point and you know we um i think it was on sunday night heat at the time they kind of you know maybe didn't pay as much attention to that as they did with the things that were going on raw and we were working with a couple writers, a guy named Tommy Blacha and Brian Gortz. And they said, you know, we just feel like you guys, you know, you need to show your personalities and stuff that you do backstage. It's just, we think that would translate a lot better. And, you know, well, let's try it on the show and, and see what happens. So we did the sit down interview um, with the coach. And they just said, look, just, we're not going to script anything. Just say what you feel. And even, even if you swear, we'll bleep it out. Don't worry about it. So we're sitting there, we're dropping F-bombs and all these sorts of things. And we ended up like impromptu, just like ripping our mics off and throwing them down and walking out, which wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, the next thing you know, they, they like when they saw that, they're like, whoa, hold on a second. We never saw the side of these guys. We didn't know they could talk like that. They threw us out on commentary yeah. and we did the same thing. We just started just saying what we felt and, um, it kind of changed the whole thought process and. You know, I think even Vince was like, wait, hold on a second here. These guys have kind of reinvented themselves as a tag team. They're not ready to split up yet. In fact, you know, we're going to turn them heel and they're going to win these titles. Yeah. And I was going to say, I think that that was a big turning point for you guys because I think that's when people got to really uh, be introduced to Edge and Christian. Because right. of the way, you know, the, the smart ass and the, the comments and the stuff that you guys just, you know, feeding off each other. Uh, you know, the five-second post. Of, I mean, it was brilliant stuff, but you'd really never yeah. gotten that chance. And, and uh, you know, so you hear the story over and over again with Rock and, and Austin that just when they let, they just let go right. uh, is when it all changed. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. And it goes back to, you know, you, you make your opportunities, but when yeah. they present themselves, you have, to, you have to hit it out of the park or yeah. guess what? you're not going to get the chance again. Mm-hmm. Like if we had done that and then it was like, eh, it was just okay. Let's just put these guys up. You know, it didn't happen. Like we knew we had to, we had to do something impactful and make a mark if we were going to continue to get the, the chances to go out there. And, you know, our goal was to be on every single pay-per-view, be on every single show. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we're live every single week. And if we aren't on the show, we aren't on the show, the show is not going to be as good. And that was our mindset. You know, we wanted to go out there and, and we wanted to be a staple of Raw and later SmackDown and be on every single pay-per-view and be in a position that mattered. Was that the best time, the, the most fun that you had uh, looking back in those in that period of time when, when that yeah. all? Because it must yeah. it sure look like it. <laughs> yeah, of course it was It was fun. You know, there's, you know, I, I kind of break my, my career up into, into different pieces because there yeah. was, you know, I had a quite a long singles run as well. But, you know, if you think about it, like I said, these two kids from a small town in Canada achieving all these things and, and you know, getting to do it with your best friend, your childhood friend, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. And getting to enjoy the ride together and be like, man, look what we're doing here. Like, this is crazy. Um. Yeah, it was it was it was a it was a crazy ride. It was an amazing ride, and it was yeah, it was 
some of the most fun that I've ever had, not only in my career, but in my life. Yeah. Well, eventually they, they do split you up in, in, in 99. And, and do you think that, uh, I'm not saying that because you guys will never run out of material or being, you know, mm. having that spark between the two of you. But at that point in time, was it ready? Were you ready to say, okay, let's, it's time to do something different. And uh, well, we, I think, I think we could have ran with the team a little bit longer, yeah. but I think our mindset was let's not just get this to the point where people have seen it and be like, okay, We've seen the act. Yeah. You know, what if we get out of it early where people aren't quite ready for it yet? And then if and when the time comes back around, they're like, yes, we want to see these guys together again. It's not the same, you know, it's not the same old stale act they've seen time and time again. Like get out when it's at its highest instead of when it's starting to dip. Yeah. And that and we both had aspirations of being singles performers and seeing how far we could go. And um, I think we had just both decided at that time, like, look, we like we've won seven tag titles here. We've had all these these matches, these tag matches, whether they were ladder matches or just regular tag matches or whatever, that people are going to be talking about for a long, long time. Yeah, what more can we do as a team? So what's what's the next challenge? And that's when we, you know, we kind of were okay with the direction of, of splitting up and moving on. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, you guys had a great feud there and, and uh, the Intercontinental Championship, but well, uh, yeah, I mean, and that was the thing too, like with, yeah. with that. Especially with 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 speaking from my side of it, yeah. I don't think either one of us were were quite ready for it yet. Um, I I know that I wasn't, and um, it could have been better. But I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to go out there and kind of do the memorable things that we had been doing as a t- tag team. And I think we just we put so much pressure on ourselves. The result wasn't quite what we thought that it it could have been. Mm-hmm. So. It didn't last that long, and I, I wouldn't go as far to say that that feud was was great. But we did, you know, we ended up having a really amazing kind of under the radar uh, cage match on a UK only pay per view, and I think that was the best match we'd had at that point um, of that series. But it started to lay the groundwork and realize, hey, the, the hard work's just starting now. You know, getting to this point and staying here or moving up are two completely different things. You know, if we, you know, we we're you know, we got to kind of dig our heels in here and work if we're going to make it as singles guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and especially in a world like that, I mean, success uh, means, you know, you have to have the ability to ability to adapt. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, classic examples like, like Jericho or, you know, and you guys were the same. I mean, here you yeah. – and, and I, uh, looking back, I would imagine you have to appreciate that time because – up to that point, you had been around pretty much, you know, Adam that whole time, and now you're mm-hmm. working with Lance Storm and and uh, you know other people, Chris Jericho, and so was that a, you know as far as you developing even even more, was that a real that period of time uh, as you look back at that that uh, that's what happened? What was that again? Sorry, you kind of. Yeah, I went all over the place on that one, didn't I? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> to take in. You got to take. You got to have a pencil and paper sometimes. With me, but I'm 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 saying that after that, when you know, up until that point with the WWE, you'd really been around Adam, and yeah. now you're you know off doing some singles, and then also working with Lance Storm and and other yeah. uh, people in the WWE. So yeah. I, I'm just wondering if that you look at that as the time you really developed even more. Yeah, I mean, after the 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 Intercontinental thing with with Adam. I, I don't think there was was all that much plans for me as yeah. far as you know making. Uh, I think that they realized I was probably going to be a bigger work in progress than yeah. anyone had thought as far as you know finding my footing as a singles guy. And, and did, you, did you feel you were lost a little bit at that point? Oh yeah, I think I was just trying to trying too hard. I was trying to please yeah. everybody too hard, and I was trying to um, 
just throw 10, 10 pounds of crap in a five pound bag. You know, I was just yeah. doing too much. Yeah. And I think that I was, I was acting instead of reacting uh-huh. to what the crowd was giving to me and what the, the certain scenarios were in the ring. And when, you know, I, I came home one day and I was dejected and I wasn't happy and I was questioning myself and my abilities. And I just kind of looked in my mirror in the mirror and I said, well, I'm kind of at the lowest point here. Like the next step is getting fired. Mm-hmm. So either I'm going to step up or I'm gonna have to accept what happens to me. And I just decided at that point, look, look, just go out and do what you do. Start having fun. And whatever happens, happens. Yeah. You know, at least you know that you left it all out there. And that's what I did. I just stopped putting so much pressure on myself. I just went out and, you know, I would take advice if people gave it to me. I would use the pieces that I thought could work, you know, put the other ones to the side. And I just started being myself. And it started quickly to, to turn around for me at that point where I started to gain my confidence back. And confidence is such a big thing where I realized hey, I can do this. I can do this really well. And there's not many people that can do what I do. So the, the uh, I don't know if you describe it as an opportunity, but going with, with TNA, did, did, was that to you a, a chance to do something different or was it, what was the, the situation yeah. then? So my, my thought process going to TNA was, um, you know, I, I felt like I kind of had hit um, sort of a roadblock in WWE as far as, um you know, where I stood, I, I felt like I was just kind of, all right, this is where he's at. This is where he's going to be. And it just didn't seem where that much was going to change no matter what I did. And I felt like I was getting really strong reactions to having great matches and nothing was changing. And if you want to change things, you got to change it yourself. You can't expect somebody else to do it for you. Yeah. So my contract was coming up and my mindset was take a chance on yourself, you know, bet on yourself like you did all those other times. Mm go away for a few you know when i left i had every intention of coming back when the time was right um i just i needed to get out of the grind um and i needed to, to prove to myself even if it was on a smaller platform that i could work at the top of the card and stay there and um, they gave me an amazing opportunity at tna I had a great time there dixie carter was really really good to me mm-hmm. i'll never say a bad bad word about my time there but they gave me the opportunity to prove to myself and to grow as a performer and to gain the maturity that maybe I hadn't quite had in the previous years. So when I went back, I felt like that I was more of a complete package. Yeah, and what did you, and you kind of covered it there, but what did you feel like you really took away from that experience with TNA? Uh, Because it sounds like you're saying that when you came back that uh, maybe a a lot of maturity. uh, Yeah, well, well for the, like I said, it was was a much smaller platform, but I was working at the top of the card consistently. And I was, you know, carrying storylines and matches and these sorts of things. And um, I just needed to know for myself that I could, I could do it and that people cared about it. And um, it just gave me that confidence. But I also realized that being on that WWE schedule, mm-hmm. I didn't have a time to really figure out who I was as a person. I've been on the road since I was 24 years old. Yeah. And I just needed to just even, you know, because at the time I was working four or five days a month for TNA it gave me some time to be home and to be a, a real person and to, and to mature as a person and, and figure my myself out who I am and what I am. So when I went back, I was a much more mature person. I was able to handle certain situations differently than I did the first time. So was it always in the back of your mind though, that you would go back or? Yeah. When I, the day that I left WWE, I knew I was going to come back. Yeah. I felt like I, I needed to go, to go away, to come back and be better. I had to bet on myself. So that's what I did. And and when that uh, had you always kind of stayed in contact with them or more like closer to two thousand nine, well, you started that conversation. 
Yeah. Um, well, I think that, um, yeah, I still obviously had a lot of friends there. Um, you know, obviously when I'm, when you're under contract with one company, you can't talk, but, um, um, yeah, there was some, some, uh, my contract was coming up with TNA and, um, you know, kind of, it just came back around in this and the, the timing was right. And so when my contract with TNA ended, um, yeah, we had some, some conversations and it worked out and I went back. Yeah. And it, and it worked out pretty well. I mean, you come back and, uh, become the ECW champ. Um, and then, but really, uh, was there a conversation that, and, and I, I've, a lot of people say it, but did you ever have a conversation with Vince saying, you know, is there a chance I might get a shot at the heavyweight championship or, or was that just, you know, see what no, I, there was no, there was no guarantees at all yeah. as far as, um, um, as far as, you know, what was gonna, what it was going to be. Yeah. And, um, I didn't ask for any guarantees either. You know, I came back with every intention of, of, of putting in the work and proving myself. Um, I didn't expect to come back and have anything handed to me. And when they, you know, when they called me and told me, I know there's a couple of different scenarios that were on the table, but when they called me and told me, Hey, we're going to bring you back to ECW. We want you to be kind of the top guy in that show. I was like, great, let's do it. I just wanted to get back and get my feet wet and kind of earn the trust back. Um, and show and I, and I knew that it'd be a good platform because if I was going to be the guy that carried that show again, yeah. step in, prove that you can carry a show and then, and then move on. So that's how I viewed it. Yeah. And what was different when you went back? As far as uh, the company itself, uh, you know, how you, you came back into it uh, as for, opposed to when you left. Yeah. I mean, when I came back, it was, you know, a lot of, it, it doesn't really change much, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's, it was still kind of, um, like I said, I still had a lot of friends there, so I, I kind of knew what was going on and those sorts of things. And, you know, I was still, you know, when you walk back in, you see all the same faces and you just pick up where you left off yeah. as far as, you know, everybody backstage and those sorts of things. And I had a really good conversation with Vince on my first day back. And, um, you know, we had that chat. I think that helped a lot as well. And, um, you know, we just kind of, uh, said, let's do this. Let's get going. And, uh, after winning so many titles, when you, you did capture the, the, heavyweight championship as the, mm -hmm. against uh, Orton. And um, what did that mean to you, uh, you know, after all the, all you had accomplished? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was big for me because, you know, Adam obviously had to retire kind of abruptly after his neck right. issues. And then he was feuding with Del Rio. So I kind of stepped into his spot and, you know, for me to win the world title uh, with him there was really big for me, you know, we kind of, um, was validating in a sense that all the hard work that I'd put in, you know, some people step in and it happens really quickly for them. For me, it had been a grind and I didn't have a problem grinding. You know, every day I showed up with the mindset today, they're going to know how good I am. And that's what I did every, every, every time I performed. And, uh, it's no different, you know, it was, it was validating and it was exciting. And, um, you know, I'm glad I had a chance to, to, to be the world champion twice. Yeah. And, uh, as at, at this point, did, the the had the injury started taking their toll were you were you starting to feel like okay you know adam's out he had to step away uh and that you know you were getting close to that that point in your career or did you just think i can go on for you know another five to six years yeah um you know i i'd gotten a, the 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 pec tear that happened and that was kind of a fluky situation but I had the, the surgeon repair that and came back and felt good and then it was my ankle after that, which I happened on a baseball slide, another fluky oh. situation. I had a really bad high ankle sprain. Um, 
uh, the doctor actually told me it would have been better if I just broken it. (laughs) But that was, that was kind of, then, you know, the concussion thing started to happen, you know, and, and I'd never had any injury issues before and I got the concussion and then I got in a couple more and it started to become more frequent. And, you know, from talking with neurologists and things like that, they just said, look, it's, it's like any boxer, you know, you can get hit so many times and nothing happens. But once you get that, that one, it becomes much easier and you become more susceptible to them. And, um, you know, at the end, you know, I was having a, a baby girl and um, just had kind of decided that, look, you know, I, at some point here, when's enough? You know, I, 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 I'd like to in 15 years be able to sit down and have a conversation with my daughter right. clearly than, than, than push it too far. And, and like I said, if I had been, you know, 29 or 30 and that had happened, um, it might have been a different story, but I was about to be 40. So I, I just looked at the scope of my career and I was satisfied and, and happy and I'd accomplished pretty much everything that I ever set out to accomplish. And um, there was really nothing left to prove on my end, I, I didn't feel. Yeah, and uh, in, in March of, of 2014, that, that uh, on Raw, when you had that, uh, that fatal four-way, um, mm-hmm. how bad was that concussion? I mean, did you know when that was over like, that this is a... Yeah, I mean, it was a, a concussion, problem. so it's never, it's never good. Yeah, no. But, uh, <laughs> but I did, I, you know, I, I got rattled, and, yeah. and I, I knew right away something wasn't right. Um, how did, it, how did it happen? Where was the... I got kicked in the head. And it was just one of those things that happens. And, um, you know, and, uh, but, you know, I didn't lose consciousness or anything, but I definitely knew something wasn't right. And I know it just, that was kind of the, the last one where everyone kind of decided, you know, after, you know, we, 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 we didn't decide right away, but it was one of those ones over a certain amount of months. Everyone just kind of like, look, okay, let's just, let's just, um, put a button on this. And, and, uh, that's that. Yeah, but it was it was kind of it was leading up to a, a big payoff. I mean, at WrestleMania. So was it really, was it really hard for you? Were you did you were you thinking of no nope. one more? No, no, the, those those no, those thoughts never kept into my mind. Like I said, it's one of those ones where if it if I had been a little younger, maybe I'd been a what if what if what if. But or if you hadn't done all the things you had done, <laughs> right? I try. Yeah, what else did you have left to prove? Yeah, I just I try not to live in what ifs. You know, it's, yeah. it was more like what's next? What's the next challenge? Let's move on. And that's kind of almost like you know, you said you know, one door closes, another one opens, and you know, here we are with the Edge and Christian show. And um, that's a great transition because uh, you guys uh, have been very busy since since uh leaving uh the uh, the ring we should say but but you guys the the uh, tag team is still together um and uh the edge and christian show back for the second season of course the uh, critics are raving about the one that's out lately uh the moonies uh, yeah why not so, you're in it i mean what an incredible experience for you to have uh been able to uh share that stage with me i know it was uh something that you two well, cherish for your life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, well, I mean, we obviously had you on in the first season, had a ton of fun. Yeah, and we knew after that, like, I mean, you got what the show was right away, and had a, and it seemed like, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but it felt like you had a blast, and oh, we all had this had this chemistry and had a lot of fun. So we were sitting down to write the second season. We're like, we need to do something with Mooney again because it was too much fun, and that's when we kind of came up with the whole concept for the Moonies, and you know, with you know, you gave that funny line about not having any pants. And then, of course, Gene saying "Holy balls!" Um, so we we kind of thought we'd do like a like a like a throwback, you know, reminding people that you you know you still didn't have your pants, and we do a search for your pants, and and you know, and it was what it was. But I mean, the second season, uh, like I said, we really had a time to really sit down. We wrote the entire show before we even started any production on it, and um, 
you know, we knew what the show was going into the second season. So, um, whereas in the first season, it took us a few episodes to kind of get the traction and get the, get the feel for what the show was. And like I said, people seem to really enjoy it. And, um, you know, they let us put the, push the envelope a little bit and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a show that's strictly for wrestling fans. It's written for wrestling fans and it's a variety show with a wrestling theme. That's what it is. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just been a lot of fun to, to, to be a part of that process and learn a different side of entertainment. Yeah, and and it's just total insanity. And um, you know, I knew what the, the what was going on with Moonies, but folks also within this uh, spoof are a bunch of other little vignettes that are in there that are just really funny. Um, and uh, how many episodes are in this season for season two? Because there's a bunch. You've do, this is like the second episode, so there's a lot more to come. Yeah. Um, well, there's there's ten episodes yeah. this season. And, um, obviously, you know, a lot of, a lot of hijinks, a lot of <laughs> silliness. Um, but you know, like I said, it's, it's, we just, we really tried to, to make it a fun show and I really wanted to, the, 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 the superstars that were coming on to have a good time because there's so much pressure as well, going out and performing on, on live TV and live pay-per-views, you know, kind of take that pressure off and just let them let their hair down for a little bit and have some fun and show a different side, even if they're playing against, you know, what their character is. On, on television just you know let's, let's all just have some fun and, and have like a you know there, there's so much room for everyone as you know you know we ad-libbed and yeah. um and those sorts of things and we just we just try to make it and we think when people are having fun that'll come across to the viewer as well that god these guys are really enjoying doing this everybody's in, having a good time and that's what it's about yeah and and what's great too folks is in the show is uh, i i can't believe how you, you there's so many personalities on it i don't know if there's anybody at all missed but what you got them to do, and and everybody that was involved in this, I don't think they said, well, like, yes, I'm sure, I'll put on a dress, I'll, you know, <laughs> whatever you want me to do, because it was it was like we're a bunch of kids, and I, I'm sure that was like that in every episode. But I remember we're on the uh, the dock uh, where Carlito pulls up his massive ship, uh, <laughs> and, and these these people are are going out to their yacht or something. And they see us on the deck, and we've got you know everybody in the costumes. We got the the fake rubber swords, and, and they just yeah. look at us. And I just said, uh, "We'll explain later." And yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you have yeah. to imagine somebody seeing this, you know, yeah. grown men and and women. Vicky was there, and uh, yeah, yeah, uh, just. But it was a blast. It yeah, really you, was fun. And yeah, I hope people and it's funny that. too. Yeah, I do. And it seems like, you know, like I said, it's, it's getting, you know, all the, the reviews on, on the first two shows have been really positive. People yeah. are really enjoying it. And yeah, it's funny. Like I said, when you go out and you do stuff out in public, people are thinking like, what are these people doing? Like, yeah, yeah you know, my but, God. You know, yeah, but we're, you know, we're having fun. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, like I said, you know, with the, the whole time you were there shooting with us, we were laughing, like even when we weren't rolling, we're all just joking around, laughing, having a good time. And, uh, you know, that's that's what we want. That's what we were trying to do. Yeah, and you mentioned the ad libbing and and the uh, another line with it, which was great, and it's it made the cut. Is uh, you were wearing the members only jacket, and Santino says that's a fine looking jacket you're wearing, <laughs> and that that was just like off the cuff. Yeah. You guys did that, yeah. and, and I, I can't remember. You said yes, it's quite comfortable and breathes. Yeah, I said, it's, I said it's I said it's surprisingly breathable. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. Well, folks, you got it. You got to yeah. check it out. Um, and also, you've become uh, you both you and Adam uh, have some serious acting gigs. Um, I think that recently you were over in England uh, shooting as well. Um, tell, can you give us a little uh, in on what you've been up to on the acting front? 
Yeah, so I have a, a independent movie that's out right now that I shot up in Canada. Uh, it's called Supergrid. It's kind of making its way through some of the um, um, uh, the uh, film festivals, festivals yeah. uh, up up in Canada, and things like that. So um, that's that'll be coming out pretty soon, and it's been getting some good feedback. Um, you know, I did another episode of a show, a Canadian show called Murdoch Mysteries. Uh, you know, and uh, there's another project that I'll be working on that'll be coming out in January that I'll be uh, I'll be talking about here in the next couple of weeks. And so is it, uh, you know, uh, as, as Adam said, you know, that, that he finally admits that uh, he's an actor. Um, <laughs> I mean, but really, but seriously, so, yeah. you know, you, you spent your life as a professional wrestler. Uh, and, and uh, you know, and that brings you, I guess they call it your juice in life. I mean, that's what, uh, is this, you, you know, you consider yourself an actor now and uh, is it enough? Yeah, I mean... I, I, I feel like even when we were wrestling, we were still acting, Yeah, you know, I feel like I was still playing up the part of Christian for, for all those, those years and, and, you know, still am. Um, but I, it's weird because I, I think I'm more of an entertainer than, than yeah. an actor. Obviously we have the podcast, DNC's pot of awesomeness. Yeah. Um, like I said, this project that I'm, that I'll be talking about in the next couple of weeks, it's, it's a, it's a fun thing. It's not an acting project, but it's a different project. And it's, um, you know, that's another form of, of kind of extending yourself as far as uh, beyond just wrestling. So um, it's exciting time. You know, I just, um, yeah, I just want to explore and do different things and challenge myself. And, and the same way I did with wrestling where, you know, I knew that there was, you had to put hard work in and, and get better and work with people that are better than you. And that's, that's the, the goal to get better yourself. Yeah, and I know. Families... Which is why I'm doing this podcast. So maybe I can be a better podcaster by working with you. Yeah, Look well, at that. Hey, you guys, and, I'm, and a lot of folks are glad that you guys are back with the ENC uh, podcast, Reeks of Awesomeness. When, when, right. do you get, when is that dropped every week? It drops every Friday. Every Friday. Wherever you get your okay. podcast. Yeah, every Friday. So okay. they're back, folks. So don't, uh, We're back. don't miss it. Um, yeah. And I know your, your uh, family is really important to you and uh, raising your daughter. Uh, it, it seems like, uh, you're in a great place, uh, now, Jay, and, and, uh, I really, I couldn't be happier for you. And, and I love the fact that now you're totally in control of your destiny and can do what you want. It's, it's great. Yeah. I mean, of course, yeah, my daughter, she's, you know, she's five now and she's like, she's become a, she's a real person now, you know, yeah. she has conversations with you and she talks, she has her own opinion. She's very stubborn. Yeah. Uh, she's, but she's amazing. And, uh, you know, she, it's so funny just just seeing this little person and, um, you know, she has all these interests and, you know, she's into figure skating and tennis and she loves She, right now she thinks she's Lady Gaga, which is hilarious. She sings <laughs> Lady Gaga songs nonstop, dresses up in like bathing suits with, with, uh, with rain boots on because she thinks that's how Lady Gaga looks. So she's, yeah. she's just, she's a trip, man. And I, oh yeah. And, and that's uh, a great age for all the holidays yeah. with Christmas and everything. Yeah. 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 Nice. She keeps saying to me, she, every, every morning she's like, daddy, why can't it be Christmas tomorrow? <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, she gets it. That's great. Well, I really yeah. appreciate taking the time because uh, you got you know you're busy and um, and of course uh, when you're not uh, big time in me, uh, but uh, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but really, Jay, uh, you guys are awesome. I, I'm I'm glad I had the opportunity to meet you guys. I'm so, uh, I am uh, remiss that, that it took so long, but uh, uh, yeah, no. Well, we're definitely. I'm yeah. sure it won't be the last time we we do something together because, like I said, we, every time we get together, we do something ridiculous and super fun. So yeah. I'm sure there's more. More where, where that came from as far as the Moonies go. More insanity on the way, and uh, I'm right. in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jay, take care. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Sean. Thanks. Have a good one. Well, I have to tell you, that episode was well worth 
the wait. I hope you feel the same way. It took a while to uh, catch up with Christian, but uh, really, really enjoyed that conversation. And um, if you remember me mentioning it in the podcast, you know, you look at all the accomplishment uh, accomplishments that uh, Christian or, or Jay um, has had during his career, and um, you know, the big message here is that you know this is somebody who knew very early on that you have to be different. You have to set yourself apart. You have to think differently if you really want to be successful. And even as a kid, that is the way Jay thought. He just said, no, you know, I always thought I was going to be different. I always thought I was going to succeed. And he was always looking for a different way to get noticed. And you, you look at, throughout his career, those guys were always evolving. They're always coming up with something new. You couldn't really compare them uh, to anyone else, uh, they had their their thing that they did. They were always doing something different. It's you know same with someone like Chris Jericho. I mean, and and that is a real clear message out there for anybody. We're not talking just people who want to become professional wrestlers, you know. And I I remember when I was younger, and uh, you know I wanted to get into broadcasting. I grew up in a very small uh, town at the time. And uh, didn't have uh, a great deal to, uh, as far as financially, we weren't very wealthy. My mom raised five kids by herself, but I never thought that I wasn't going to get into broadcasting. So when I have people come up to me and ask me about, you know, how do I get into, you know, becoming uh, an announcer or something, I just, you really just have to want it for one thing, but just always find a way. Always take a different path because that is what's going to set you apart. And I, I think that if you listen to these podcasts, and I know everybody, are, you know, you're a big wrestling fan, but I hope you get even more out of it just about life and, and how, to, how these guys, no matter what, and I should, that includes women, the women we've had on, um, are people that have something that's very much in common is that they uh, took a chance, they believed in themselves and they would not give up no matter what obstacles, no matter how many times they failed, they just kept going. And the ones that did that, um, were successful as many of our guests here on primetime with Sean Mooney have been. So anyway, I just, uh, really loved that podcast, uh, with, with, uh, Jay and, uh, and, uh, and, and also Adam Copeland, if you've uh, listened to that episode as well, it, it's just amazing to think that these two guys met as kids. And, and, and as I, you know, we talked about who would have thought you couldn't even say if somebody came to that with a movie script, they'd say, no, no, that's, that's way too, you know, nobody's going to buy that, that, uh, okay. Both of them become incredible superstars in the world wrestling entertainment, you know, I mean, the WWE it's just, it's just an incredible story. And they, and they're not done yet. I mean, uh, you know, Jay and, and Adam both have a lot going on. And of course with the edge and Christian show and their podcast and, uh, and the other projects that they do, I mean, they're actors now they're real working actors. And, uh, so anyway, that, uh, I hope that, uh, you, you take uh, a lot out of that episode. Uh, not only in just their career, but, uh, life lessons as well. All right. Uh, as I mentioned before, it's a holiday season. Uh, yeah, we got that music back. So I want to remind you once again, uh, visit uh, MooneyTees.com. It takes you directly to ProWrestlingTees.com and our page with all the tees up there. And uh, folks, uh, check them out. Uh, I mentioned a bunch of them, and there's some great tees up there. Uh, pick one up for 
special people in your life and, and why not to get one for yourself? Uh, that Sean Mooney Who t-shirt would look fabulous on you, I could just tell. And uh, remember, once again, support all of our sponsors. It's very important. We want to be able to keep doing what we're doing. And the only way we can do that is uh, by uh, having sponsors uh, on this program. And we uh, keep trying to get them every week. And we've got uh, some really good ones. But in the meantime, uh, you know, like this episode, for example, we didn't have a sponsor, a uh, prime sponsor. So uh, really, when we do, please support uh, those sponsors. It helps us out a great deal. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You know, I always do. You can email me at primetimemooney at gmail.com. That's primetimemooney at gmail.com. Also, continue to follow us on Twitter and, of course, Instagram at Primetime Mooney. And uh, be sure to check out the uh, most recent episode of the Edged and Christian show on the WWE Network, uh, Mooney's and uh, all other insanity that is involved with that, uh, <laughs> that show. Uh, it's up there now. I hope you check it out. I'd love to hear what you think about it. We had a, a lot of fun. And uh, we are, of course, going to have another great guest coming your way next week. So, and I'll be filling in more and more. We've got another watch along in the works. Uh, I hope I'll be able to tell you even more about it next week, but it is coming and I hope that uh, you guys make plans to be with us for that one. In the meantime, I hope you have a great week. Thanks for checking out Primetime with Sean Mooney once again. I'm Sean Mooney and I am out. Mm-hmm.